Welcome to Chino y Chicano. I'm Matt Chan, the Chino. And I'm Enrique Cerna, the Chicano. And we have a very good friend that is joining us on this podcast episode. Uh, we had to do a little arm twisting to get him to join us. But our buddy Eugene Tagawa. Hi, Eugene. How you doing? Hey, you guys. Hey. Listen, we we want to have Eugene on uh, because Eugene is, uh, well, for one thing, he's a very good friend of ours. We've known Eugene since what? I've known him since 1978 when I went to work at King, where you were a graphic artist there. How many years did you work at King? 31 years and 10 months. <laughs> <laughs> he remembered down to the second. Uh, sort, of, sort of like how prisoners remember their sentence. <laughs> <laughs> but he got, he out. got out. He got com- he got commuted. Yeah, he got All right. two months of commuted in the sentence for good behavior. <laughs> Well, like I said, we've known Eugene from our King days way back when. And um, Eugene uh, is not only a a great artist, but he's also a great cookie maker. You know, Eugene makes the best chocolate chip and peanut butter cookies. And when you have one, it's sort of like crack. You can't stop. So you eat the whole thing. And so he makes he makes the best cookies ever. But Eugene also is a photographer. And you have uh, it seemed like every Everywhere you go, uh, particularly when we would have gatherings at parties and but but even things out in the community, you always had your 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 still camera with you. So, Eugene, I mean, photography, is that like a hobby or a love? What? It's a hobby. Yeah. <laughs> Never been a profession. Yeah. Yeah. So why, why, why did you always had the camera with you? Why did you just wanted to just track what was going on? Yeah. You told me once that one of the reasons you took pictures at events and you always volunteered your services to people was to to, sh- to show people what happened who couldn't be at the events. Yeah. Was that for the community or is it, yeah. when we say community, we're really talking about the the Asian community here in Seattle and particularly, you know, the Japanese American community that from uh, you know, you're very well connected with, and, and particularly the number of nonprofits that you give your time to. So that that's what you do. Now, okay, one of the reasons that we wanted to have Eugene on, other than to talk about how great he makes cookies and all these things, uh, <laughs> and because he's our pal, is that, Matt, you wrote an article about Eugene. Um, oh, and the, for the International Examiner. Right. So tell us about that article and why you wrote it. Well, you know, okay, so so... Being a television guy, right, and doing video projects and stuff, I'm keenly aware of what they call IP, intellectual property. And there's nothing worse than being ripped off. You know, like when I did Hoarders, a couple of networks ripped off the show. One was called Hoarding Buried Alive. or the, I mean, they, they, it, and people say imitation is a serious form of flattery. But when it comes to intellectual property, that's stealing. <laughs> you know, it's not flattery at all. And I got fed up of seeing Eugene's pictures that he's taken over the years that documented some of the most important events for the Asian community in Seattle, misattributed used just randomly and never attributing, you know, uh, giving thanks to the photographer, which was Eugene Tagawa. He wasn't getting the credit he deserved, basically. No, and and to this day, he still doesn't. So I said, look, enough is enough. We need to show the world what Eugene really does because he's a humble, modest guy. And I just said, look, that's the least I can do for my buddy. Yeah. 
So you wrote this article that was in the International Examiner, and it had to do with a photo that was taken. There was a protest in the ID. Uh, Uncle Bob Santos was, you know, always involved in these things. He's he's in that photo. But actually, Eugene, you tell us a bit of the history of that. What was that photo from? What was the date? And and give us a context of yeah. Well, let, let's set on. the stage yeah. of the photo. The photo was probably one of the most used photos in the community. Because it, it has the iconic Humbals not hot dog signs, and it has Uncle Bob, and it has all these, you know, 70s protesters. So that's what the picture is, and that's why it, it is so famous. So what, what was the date on this, Eugene? It was November 14th, 1972, so 49 years ago. So what was the setting? What was, what was going on that day? Well, it was a protest march that was uh, going to the, the HUD office. Uh, housing and Urban Development Office in downtown Seattle. And it was to protest uh, the effects of the building of the kingdom on the Chinatown ID. And so uh, some of the demands were, were more housing for, for elders in the, in the ID. And at that time, the elders were really a lot of Filipino men who lived in the single-room occupancy hotels yeah. that was basically squalor at that time. I mean, people look at the CID now, and they say, like, yeah, it's okay. It's still kind of funky. But, man, back then, it was really funky, right? Yeah, yeah. So you were with your sister that day, Eugene? Yeah, she was She was definitely part of the march. I mean, I was running all over the place taking pictures. So I wasn't actually, you know, marching alongside anybody. I was all over the place. Now, what was your sister's name? Kathy. Kathy Tagawa. Okay. Later, Kathy Tagawa Sugiyama. She married was... Al, Al Sugiyama the, the next year. Right. And Al was very active in the community. And what was the name of the organization that he helped lead in the community? He started Center for Career Alternatives. That's right. And that was a longtime help agency in the community that helped lots of people, a lot of uh, immigrants, a lot of dropouts. Just great work for giving people job opportunities, right? Job training and and skill training and things like that. Yeah, alternatives to uh, college uh, education basically gave people a second chance. Right. And vocational opportunities as well, along with that. Yeah, and it was just basically helping people out in the community that needed, you know, a lift up. The underserved people. So getting back to the photo, right? I mean, one of the reasons it's it's iconic is because Uncle Bob is in there. But you told me something that really was shocking to me that I didn't know, and it was verified by a number of people. What was Uncle Bob's role that day? Because people assume he led the march. Yeah, he was definitely part of the planning process. And I think it was his suggestion that some people meet with HUD officials. So that's what made that the destination of the march, the HUD office. But there were lots of leaders in that photo that shows that meeting at St. Peter Claver. You see sitting at the head table are the Bacho brothers and Frank Irigan. And also you can't see in that picture is Al Sugiyama who was sitting behind the front table. So he's not in those pictures, but he was definitely one of the organizers too. So there were a lot of people that were, I guess, leading the march. But and Bob was definitely there. But you know, it was the younger people that that actually organized and planned it. Now, now that picture, if you look at that picture, the humbows, not hot dogs, which which Uncle Bob later used title of a book that he that he wrote. But who came up with that 
that slogan? Well, I remember it being my sister and I, we came up with that slogan. And was she carrying the sign? I think that sign is being carried by Mrs. Bacho. Frank Irigan calls her Auntie. Auntie, I can't remember her first name. Yeah, it's Pete and uh, Norris Bacho's mother. In that shot that that is in the article with all the people at the planning meeting, what was interesting to me too that four, three of the gang of four were in there: Larry Gossett, Bob Santos, and Roberto Maestas. Yeah, and they were all part of this and all part of the planning. Now, had they, had Bernie White Bear kind of joined them, or was it just kind of they were just there being community activists and they really hadn't? formed together at that point. I'm not sure of the actual... I think they might have already been together at that point because, uh, you know, Bob was the guy that at St. Peter's, that he ran the the place as far as where people could come and organize and meet. I think they had already been together and that uh, I can't give the, the full date because I don't know it right off the top of my head. But remember that what really brought them together was the Daybreak Star uh, demonstrations where Bernie White Bear led that and to to get the property there for, for what is now Daybreak Star and the location there for United Indians of all tribes. But I think that's when they really came together. Um, but what's interesting, I think a lot of people always looked at that Humbaugh's Not Hot Dogs, because Uncle Bob used that for the title of the book that he did. But you really didn't get the credit. You and your sister didn't get the credit for the fact that it was, you guys came up with that. We don't want to knock Uncle Bob here. We love Uncle Bob. But the fact is, is that we wanted to make sure that Eugene, uh, that you and your sister got the credit for that photo, that iconic photo, and that slogan, which is still very apropos today and that people remember and so that's why we wanted you here, Eugene, so that you got the credit that you deserved. But the fact, too, is that you've always been a chronicler through your photos of the history of the ID and the community. And you need to be celebrated for that. You need to know that people appreciate that work. Thank you. <laughs> One of the things that you have also been involved in is um, you were raised in one of the incarceration camps. So tell us that history. You were actually born during... On the, on the way too, right? When my family was at uh, the Puyallup Assembly Center, which was called euphemistically Camp Harmony. <laughs> oh, jeez. So my mother was nine months pregnant when she had to leave home. Oh, and, with you, right? Yeah, yeah, because they actually had to leave their homes in late May of 42. And I was born the first week of June. Wow. Wow. It was right after they got into the camp at Puyallup that, that I was born. So my mother actually got to leave the camp to go to Pierce County Hospital. That's where I was born. To have you. Yeah. So your family had to transport a newborn to Minidoka. Yes. That's along with my two older sisters who were like one and two at that time. Wow. So wow. my parents and my mother's parents were our family unit. Wow. Did they ever talk about that with you? Well, in general terms, not. Well, my father, my father died when I was 10. So I don't remember ever talking to him about it. But my mom, 
you know, she she never complained about it. She would tell me stories of specific incidents, but uh, you know, she didn't she didn't do a lot of complaining about it. Did she just take it as this is what what it was, and you had to deal with it? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I never really got into deep conversations with her about it. So, what motivated you to be so passionate about Minidoka and the pilgrimage and and just honoring that tragedy in Asian American history? I mean, why are why is it so important to you these days? Well. I tell you, uh, in 2008, I went on my first pilgrimage and it was, it changed my life actually, because uh, just being there on the site where I had lived, what, 70 years before, it was, I don't know, just, just to be there in that environment, you know, you walk on the, on the dusty ground and, you know, you feel the, the really hot sun. It was in the nineties because we went in late June and I don't know, just <laughs> hard to describe. Just feeling connected to something because, you know, when part of the, when you're on the pilgrimage, there are a lot of other people that are there for the same reason, right? Just to honor their, uh, their predecessors. Every year it's different because you meet different people, of course. But, uh, this is, this is they all come there. For, they all come there for their diff, for different reasons. But for for people that don't understand the concentration camps, or better lack of a better term, around the West Coast, they all have these pilgrimages where people go back, and it's it's a thing to you know really keep alive the memory of what was done to the Japanese Americans, right? Yeah. And and so Minidoka is just one of many. But it's the one that your family went to, and a lot of lot of the families, uh, the JA families in, in in the in, in the area, identify kind of what camp their families were in, right? That's kind of an interesting thing too. Yeah, that's like a uh, you know a, a starter of a conversation with you know when you meet somebody <laughs> like yeah. a J another JA. Oh, what camp were you in, or your what camp was your family in? And then if they say. To, to me, if they say Minidoka, the next question is, oh, what block? Mm, yeah. And J.A., by the way, Japanese-American. So the, those, those out there who are wondering, what does <laughs> J.A. mean? But through the years, you've documented that and the times that you've gone back. I know that this still hits you hard, right? How, how about your sisters? Two, two older sisters. Okay. My All younger right. sister, Kathy, uh, she passed in... 2012, 10 years ago, actually. Yes. Right. And you have a brother also. Yes. Right. Have they gone on it as well? Uh, my One of my older sisters and my brother uh, uh, came came to the pilgrimage with me in 2012. So for you, why is this important to, con- to continue to be connected to that? And, and, to, and I know you have nieces that you're really close to. Is it all about sharing that history and making sure that they know their family's legacy? Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. But, but uh, just being part of this event is important because I know, <laughs> how do I describe this? See, I told you I'd be bad. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. This is very emotional stuff. I would think that, you know, even though you were a baby when you went through this, it's just knowing that your family had to go through this ordeal and your your family's Loyalty was questioned, just like a lot of other families. And it's important that people know history like this, especially now 
in a time when we're like fighting for this democracy that we have. Since I was three years old when we were actually uh, released, uh, I, I don't have any direct memories of it. I only know what my stories my mother uh, would tell me. And uh, so I go just to honor my parents because I know, I know superficially what they went through. Yeah. And also my mother's, my mother's parents. And just, just to go back there and kind of reconnect and, and honor them is important to me. And the reason I go, I've been going every year is because I just want to be part of this thing where a lot of people, a lot of people who have never experienced that go. And uh, it's just, by the end of the four days, there's this bond that, uh, that has been created with all these people. <clears throat> and just knowing that uh, they're all connected, it's just, it's just really a great thing. Who organizes these pilgrimages? Well, there's a, it's an all-volunteer committee of mostly JAs, but uh, we have other allies, too, that help us. Is it through the Japanese-American Citizens League, or is it just you know different groups that are organizing? It's, it's an independent group. But it, you know, with definite strong ties to all the other uh, JA nonprofits. As the years march on, I think people forget, and they didn't even want to remember at the time, how horrendous this was. I mean, they make comparisons, current day comparisons, but there is really no comparison. I mean, the Japanese Americans that were interned were Americans. I mean, they were American as your neighbor next door, you know. And they're uprooted simply because of their culture and the color of their skin. It is the seminal event that really changed the whole trajectory of Asian Americans in this country. And I don't think enough is done or said about that, um, of what happened to Japanese Americans during that time. So I'm just thankful that there's these pilgrimages and that people can draw attention to it every year. And I just wish, you know, the JAs are there will be more vocal to tell the world. I know that, you know, a lot of a lot of them kind of just talk amongst themselves and do push out some, but the younger people are really making it an issue. And I think that's a good thing. You know, and for all those donkeys out there that uh, <laughs> bitch and moan about critical race theory and make it something that it isn't, uh, this is what's important to understand the country's history, not to make anybody feel bad, but to realize that, you know, look, in our democracy, we've had a lot of awful moments and they need to understand these things. Young people need to understand these things. They need to know our history. Just like I think every family needs to know, you know, if, if you have uh, a connection to another country, you know, how your parents got here and why they came here and understanding all of that. So, you know, Eugene, I salute you for, for all your work that, that you do and everything you've done in the community um, that, you know, that this is why we wanted to have you on this podcast is to just so that people know who you are and the fact that those people that aren't there kind of waving their hands, look at my stuff, you know, but, but, <laughs> but you, you do that. And so I appreciate you very yeah, much. Yeah. Well, oftentimes in community, you know, people get celebrated for just doing their job, you know, which I, I have kind of an issue with, but I think, you know, in, in, you know, my small, in our small way, we're trying to make sure that you are honored. Because yeah. not many people are dedicated to do what you do. And to consistently stay up with it. Yeah, yeah. 
So, uh, Eugene, here's one thing I'd like to have you do for me is that if you could send me a series of uh, some of your photos uh, that uh, you've done in the ID as well as on the trip, and then we'll put them up on our website so people can see them and so that they know uh, the work that you do and, and the uh, see the the good photos that you always take. And by the way, uh, you know, Eugene took photos of my kids when they were little. And he even took <laughs> my one kids of too. Yeah, he even took one of my son in a husky sweater, which, you know, <laughs> which I know that he, he cherishes very much. Yeah, all right. All right, Eugene, thank you. It wasn't that painful, was it? <laughs> yes or no? Yes or no? You know what? I was going to read you this quote. Please do. It sort of jumped out at me. Uh, that sort of, you know, sums up what what the pilgrimage is all about. <clears throat> but remember last uh, year, last year during inaug- the inauguration, Amanda Gorman, the young mm-hmm. youth poet laureate, she she read that poem called "The Hill We Climb." Right. But in it, right in the middle of it. Yeah. <clears throat> You can't have this part of the thing because I'm getting, I always get all choked up when I read this. Uh, it's because being American is more than a pride we inherit. It's the past we step into and how we repair it. I thought that was just perfect, right? So I don't <laughs> It is. Well, that does sum it up. Thank you, Eugene, for your contribution to the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, to our well, world, that's, that's for sure. sure. All right. Thanks, Eugene. I hope this is heavily ed- edited. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Eugene. All right. You're our guy. We want to hear from you. Reach out to us on Twitter at Enrique Cerna and at Lofonland for me, Matt Chan. You can also email us at chinoichicano at gmail.com and check out our Chino Ichicano page on Facebook. Our theme music was composed and performed by Antonio Gomez. You can find the Chino Ichicano podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and other favorite podcast platforms. Please take a listen, download, subscribe, and give us a review. If you'd like to watch our conversations, we're posting them to YouTube. Go to search and type in Chino y Chicano. I'm Matt Chad, the Chino. I'm Enrique Cerna, the Chicano. Stay safe out there. Wear your mask in a crowd. Please get vaccinated. We'll talk more later.